0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Well, I'm back after a week off. I spent last week visiting my mom in Philadelphia. I attended three Phillies games against the Atlanta Braves and saw only one win, but that came against former Shenandoah High School standout Ian Anderson. It was nice to take some time off and recharge the batteries. Well, we have another great show for you. There was some big news last Thursday when UCLA and USC announced they were leaving the Pac-12 conference for the Big Ten. Bill Rabinowitz, who covers the Ohio State football team for the Columbus Dispatch, and my former colleague at the York Daily Record, will discuss the surprising development. My first guest was a sports anchor at ABC 10 here in the Capital Region for 10 years, the last five as the sports director. She recently decided to step down from that job. Please welcome Liana Bonavita to the podcast. Liana, welcome back. to Oh, well, I should say welcome back, but welcome to the podcast, and I appreciate you doing this. I know... uh uh you've been busy with the job change uh, how's it going
1: ken thank you so much for having me it's funny i almost feel like i'm old news already just a couple weeks <laughs> out of the job and just you know doing something completely new it's going really really well i'm loving it you never know I, you, you know you make the jump thinking that it's going to be great but until you're actually in those shoes and living that lifestyle you just don't know and so far it's been everything that i i had dreamed of and more
0: so tell tell the audience uh, what your uh, new job is.
1: Sure. So I'm a financial rep right now for Northwestern Mutual and so I work in the financial services industry and what I love so much is what I do now. Not that sports is insignificant because there's a lot of what I did was meaningful for a lot of different people. But what I do now is incredibly significant for the clients that I work with in their lives. I mean, listen, we all know that money makes the world go round. And, you know, when it is in our our lives and, and our personal finances, it just it, it matters even more. It, it means everything from the ground level. How can we protect ourselves all the way up to how do we make our money work for us? And everything in between. So uh, I'm loving it so far. I'm learning a lot. Uh, I work with an incredible team. So that's basically life. And then I get to be home with my kids at night.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, was that a major factor? Because you have, you have two children. And uh, you, uh, cause obviously the hours that sports people keeping in them, I and I've been doing it for almost 40 years now, uh, the hours we keep are night hours and sometimes we don't get to see the kids uh, and, and usually rely on the, uh, the spouse. I mean, in my case, my wife you know, had, took care of Stephen for so many years while I was working. I mean, how difficult was that to, you know, to, to handle being working nights and not be able to see the kids? And was that, was that a factor in changing positions?
1: It was a major factor. It was at the top of my list as far as my considerations for leaving the job. Listen, Ken, I never fell out of love with journalism and especially sports journalism. I always loved the job until the very end. So there really had to be external factors that would have made me consider leaving the business. And that was at the top because, yes, it was hard. And it got harder and harder as my daughter, who's now three and a half, Um, As she got older and then we added a second child who, you know, our son is now one. Uh, My, my husband is a saint. He never once complained about having to bear the brunt of all that work, picking them up from daycare, doing bath time, dinner time, bedtime all by himself with two. That's not easy. He never once complained about it. Always support was supportive of me and my career, but I was missing them. I was feeling like, Oh my goodness, like I'm not going to ever get this time back with them and i know as everyone has always told me all of the parents their biggest piece of advice is you know just don't blink because it goes so fast and so i was feeling like i was in quicksand a bit like i i i needed to get out um because i just didn't want to miss the time with them so it was it was the biggest factor in me leaving
0: how how's it been able to adjust from you know working nights and maybe going to bed late to you know, getting up in the morning, basically working a you know normal nine to five schedule. Because I know when I was laid off here at the Gazette back in October uh, September twenty seventeen, I, and I went to work for Channel Six for ten months. I mean, it I could never get used to getting up early in the morning after so many years of you know getting up at nine thirty and you know getting to bed at one two in the morning. Because you know you're usually by the time you get out of the office, you're wired. Yeah, well, that
1: is true. I mean, I went to bed. Yeah, as you say, one, two in the morning every night when I was working for the station. And then, you know, when I had my kids, I was up awake with them breastfeeding overnight. So I wasn't really sleeping then. And then I was awake with them early in the morning because, listen, my kids can't feed themselves and change themselves and all that stuff yet. They're not not quite old (laughs) enough. So I would be awake with them in the morning. So I would just get so very little sleep that right now. Even though I'm waking up, I'm waking up at the same time as I ever did because of, again, the kids. But I get to go to bed earlier than I ever did before. And so I actually think it's been easier. You never realize quite how inefficiently your body is working or, you know, how your brain isn't quite there or functioning on all cylinders until all of a sudden you have a full night of sleep. And you do that consistently. And it's like, wow. Wow. You know, I, I've i just unlocked the secret code of what it means to be a functioning adult. It's, it's quite funny.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about your uh, career, Channel. Sam, uh, in sports casting over, what what got you interested in, in becoming a sportscaster?
1: Uh, so, I mean, I've always loved sports, right? From the time that I was a kid, we had a quarter of the season tickets for Red Sox games growing up. So, then my father would take me mostly because i would be so upset with him if he even thought about taking anyone else my mother included so it was our little thing that we did together and in addition to that you know growing up in southern new hampshire but for all intents and purposes the boston market it was really less of an option for me more of a lifestyle Mm -hmm. to be a sports fan so i grew up as an incredibly passionate sports fan went to bed to you know stories of you know historic events that happened and, and all of that so that was ingrained in me but there are a lot of sports fans that don't go on to work in sports so for me that transition ended up happening later on when I was in high school and I was trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do when I was you know, when I grew up, that's the question that everyone gets, and that really started with you know what college do you want to go to because so many colleges that spe- uh, just specialize in different things. So, for my uncle, at that point, my uncle and I had this really cool conversation um, in which he asked me. What I didn't want to do, and I eliminated a lot of things, and it ultimately led to me deciding that my dream job would be to be a sportscaster. And so, with that being said, I I went and I took some summer college courses to see if that was even something that I was actually interested in, or just thought I was interested in. And turns out I loved it, and went to the University of Southern California, joined um, the. Go to broadcast journalism school there, and the rest is history.
0: Being out in Los Angeles, that area for college, I mean, how much did that help you? Because I me, mean, you have a, you know plenty of resources. You know, obviously, playing, you know, covering the pro teams there. Obviously, covering uh, USC sports. I mean, there had to be a lot. I mean, it had to be keeping keep on on your toes there, doing a lot of stuff.
1: It was really cool being out there. And- a different kind of way than I was used to growing up. So I was used to growing up as a fan, but this way, obviously working and going to school and working for the campus TV station and getting a job, a work-study job that allowed me to work at games, and then all of those games being broadcast uh, at least regionally, if not nationally. They were always looking for people to help work, whether it be the I don't know, the microphone that we would stand on the sidelines for. So I was able to be front and center in the mix doing what maybe not exactly the jobs that I always wanted to do, but at least the field and being close to it within arm's arm's length. And then the opportunities for meeting people that were even just at my school that were so famous nationwide and that had gone on to do incredible things and get there experiences that was so so great and then obviously the internship opportunities being in Los Angeles were top-notch as well so I think at every level it was the perfect place for me I knew that I wanted to go to a a big division one sports school as well as going to a good broadcast journalism school and that's where the University of Southern California really married the two so well because Annenberg is, you know, top, if not the top, top five in the nation for, you know, what they do in the broadcast journalism field. And then, you know, University of Southern California, when I was there, USC was, you know, I mean, they're, they're still a big deal, but they were top of the top football and, and even their basketball program was good. So I was able to really be in the thick of it. So it, it, made me even more excited to really launch my career
0: were you there when pete carroll was the coach of the football team
1: of course I was there when Pete Carroll was the coach. I mean, I loved him. He was so accessible to all of the student journalists, which was really cool of him. I mean, they had open practices. You could, you didn't even have to be a journalist. You could be just a student. You could just walk into practice. It didn't matter. Anyone could watch. Um, so that kind of accessibility was something I had never, I was not expecting and something that I always appreciated.
0: Yeah, it's something we don't see much anymore. There's all this limited access; you can fill, tape the first five minutes of practice, and they send you out. It's it's way different than uh, when I first started in the business. That's for darn sure. Uh, let me ask you: uh, Who did you idolize in the business? Hmm.
1: So when I was in college, or well, whenever, since.
0: Uh, when you, when you were man, when you grew up, and when you went to college. I mean.
1: Sure. So when I grew up, I mean, there were a lot of female sportscasters that I really grew to to love and to respect. I mean, Susie Colber was one of them. Linda Cohn was one of them. I mean, women who could really stand their ground. Um, and, And at that time, a business that was really male dominated and and it is still to this day, but less so there's definitely more room for, for women in this industry now and more representation. But at that time there was less and I really respected them. So those were women I I grew to love. But then as I really understood the, the business of storytelling and really, wrapping my arms around that aspect of my job as being one that I loved the most. Good writers, um, Tom Rinaldi really stuck out to me. It's actually funny. I'm I'm not a I'm not a person who gets starstruck. I mean, I've met Tom Brady. I've met um, you know Venus Williams. I'm, I've met so many people that just you know shook their hand and and didn't really didn't really phase me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I covered the Triple Crown, American Pharaoh, and I was in the same room as Tom Rinaldi was asking questions, I, I felt myself getting all tense, being a little starstruck, which I found so funny because I'm like, you know, the average person might not really care, but I just respect what he does so much by way of storytelling and being able to impact people emotionally.
0: Yeah, yeah Tom Rinaldi is great. Uh, what led you to Channel 10?
1: So I started my career in Binghamton. That was my first job. And from there I developed a relationship with Rich Becker and Scott Morlock, who worked at the time for Fox Twenty Three, because they were a sister station of the station that I was at. So we would help each other out providing video for one another for uh we you know when the Section 2 teams are out in Binghamton, or vice versa, the Section 4 teams out this way. And so we got to know each other a bit then. And so when a position opened up at Box 23, I applied for it and I got the job. And I was so excited to work with um, these two guys who I greatly respected and still to this day are very close with uh, and think that they're some of the top notch in the business. And so Um, I worked with them, and then very quickly after I came into town, things just kind of all were moving and shaking. Rich ended up leaving the business, and Scott wasn't at Fox 23 for much longer after that. And then I had a new sports director that came in, and then the station was sold, and then I found my way over to News 10. So it was kind of this crazy path uh, that I just rode the roller coaster and got quite lucky to be honest cuz not a lot of people survived that um there you know as far as their jobs were concerned um a lot of people got laid off in of that process yeah
0: um what what stands out or what story or stories that really stand out that you covered in your time at uh ABC10
1: mm, i've covered so many stories that i that I really remember and will always cherish for different reasons. The one that uh, the moment, maybe the single greatest moment, which was a combination of a long story of many, many months, was probably the Peter Hooley story, the shot. Um, in the America East Championship game, that led them to the NCAA tournament. That came on the heels of his mother's passing of colon cancer, and him going out to Australia and coming back. Um, that moment was so emotional. Um, and and we had grown as reporters to to really know Peter and his and his family. And and he's a likable kid. So I was able to do that story. And since then, I actually did a follow up story with him. Uh, that we got to run in our coaches versus cancer special that we did a couple of years ago, and and to do that follow up was really cool um, with him. And, and the amount of times that he feels like his mom has influenced his life, like that shot was was one of them, but it wasn't the last one of them. It, it's gone straight on through in his in his wedding and the way that he is now. So that that story is will always be kind of at the top for me, but there's been so many others. I mean, Jessica Padula, who I mean, she knows that I still love her um, and and will forever respect her. But she um, had uh, a situation where her husband um, had taken his own life and she attempted to take hers and she survived. And from then on, has really had to grow back into becoming a, a, who she who she could be again and she used yoga and crossfit and all of these athletic means to do so and she's incredible too so i mean there's there's so many they go on and on and on um and and each one of the people that have allowed me to tell their story have impacted me in a lot of ways
0: of course i remember back excuse me back in 2014 we were all down in philadelphia for the frozen four in union college and all of us at the the friday night before the championship game Hanging out at one of the local establishments in downtown Philly, and a groove us—I think you—you you were there. Uh, I think Kelly O'Donnell was working at Channel Six. Oh yeah. And we 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 had some good times hanging down there.
1: We we had a number of people down there. I mean, I know that there were some photographers from some other stations that were down there, and from mine. Um, I don't I don't remember um, who was there from Channel Thirteen. Um, but either way, it how crazy is it that a national championship wasn't the first thing that came to my mind you know like a local team that won I was I've just been able to do such really cool things and that's what this job has afforded me
0: you mentioned that you you know more and more women are getting involved in sports did you ever face any backlash or discrimination from people and telling you not to you know find something else to do
1: no one would ever discouraged me. I think that there were a handful of times that people were a little surprised. I mean, even I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but there are some, there are some people that I know to this day that will admit they'd rather hear their sports from from men. Um, and I don't know if that will ever change for those people. But I've the only I've only had a handful of experiences in locker rooms with you know some minor league teams over the years that either A, I wasn't allowed in the locker rooms or B, if I was allowed in the locker rooms, you know, weird things would happen, but not, I, I don't want it to sound like it was anything drastic because I've, I've not actually been, um, you know a victim of any kind of sexual harassment in that kind in that regard i i I don't think um or i didn't feel that way um but no as far as discouraging me from the business that's not really anything that i've ever dealt with firsthand and i'm thankful for that
0: you mentioned you went to usc and obviously um we're going to be talking about this a little bit later here here in the podcast but uh UCLA and your USC announced last week that they're going to the Big Ten. I mean, how shocked were you when you heard it? I, I think that I think caught a lot of people by surprise. You, you usually hear some rumors going on, but there was nothing, and next thing you know, all of a sudden they're going to they're 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 done with the Pac-12 after the 2023 season. Yeah,
1: I was telling I was telling some people. I mean, when I was there, it was the Pac-10, now it's Pac-12, and now they're going to be the Big Ten. I think the whole thing is a big joke. I, I, listen, Pac is short for Pacific. Like, I don't understand how there are two teams that are any more Pacific than them. Uh, you know, so close to the the ocean and the West Coast, but it is just the way of the NCAA these days, you know, with the moving and the changing and the shifting of conferences. I think it's, I think it's nuts, but it is what it is. There's nothing I can do to change it. Obviously.
0: What will you miss about the business?
1: Hmm. I will miss so many things. I will miss the, 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 I will miss mostly telling the stories and being um, trusted to do that. That creative aspect is something that I will miss the most, but also really the camaraderie that I developed with my team at the station I worked with some of the best people and I will always say that my co-anchors all the the photographers and reporters and producers and directors I mean it goes on and on it's it's a major team that we have and that everyone needs to do their part in order to put a, a good clean show on the air and one that's memorable and one that sticks with viewers and and I might be the face of that when it comes to sports but there are so many people that put it on and I've grown to love them so much so I'll, I'll miss the people uh, and I'll really miss the the creative aspect of being able to 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 take a story and figure out the best way to tell it that will impact the most amount of people and then obviously getting into getting into games for free i mean that's kind of nice <laughs> that's
0: true <laughs> that's kind of
1: nice that that's a perk that i will i'm not going to miss the most but obviously that's a perk that i will one day have to realize oh wow i had it great you know one of those things that you never know how good you have it until you don't anymore yeah that will be one of those times
0: It's the down the road if that itch comes back that you want to do it again do you think you'll follow that or are you going to be happy with what you're doing
1: Hmm. I plan on doing what I'm doing for life. I think that that's my hope anyway. Um, I didn't make this move lightly. However, it would have to be an itch that I would be scratching far beyond the time that my kids would need me or want me at home. So they would be in college. And at that point, I don't know, I, I'm, I, am i am already old news. I don't think that at that point, I don't know if anyone would want me, but but it would have to be then because the reason why, as we talked about already, such a big reason why I made this move was to, be, was to be there for them. And they'll want, or I don't know if they'll want me to be there, but I will want to be there mm-hmm. for all of their events, all of their games, all of their recitals, all of everything that I can get to. And that just is, unfortunately, a reality that... Um, I can only get with a
0: job that's not that one. Well, Leon, I appreciate a few minutes, and it's been great to know you over the years, and uh, you know, stay in touch, and maybe I'll r- you know, run into you at a game somewhere along the way. And uh, good luck with your new job, and I hope you be, be, it, it, you be a success at that as you were uh, with Channel Ten.
1: Thank you so much, Ken. I appreciate you having me on here. It's always fun to talk about sports and to talk about the old job and to talk about journalism and that that part will never get old for me but um as you say a success in my new role i i I, there's no other option in my in my opinion that's just the way that i am you know it then
0: all right appreciate it again liana take care that's liana bonavita up next bill rabinowitz joins me to discuss ucla and usc joining the big 10 you're listening to the parting shots podcast track is your premier source of horse racing news and events from the daily newspaper of the saratoga race course the daily gazette at the track features racing tips feature stories fixed by naira racing analyst anthony stabile and andy serling and direct links to naira bets check out at the track at www.dailygazette.com slash at the track this is you, Aubrey men's basketball coach, Dwayne Killings. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Kim Shots. Welcome back to the podcast. The college sports world was rocked last Thursday with the shocking news that UCLA and USC are leaving the Pac-12 Conference to join the Big Ten in 2024. Joining me now to talk about this is the outstanding sports writer covering the Ohio State football team, for the Columbus Dispatch and my former colleague from the York Daily Record days, Bill Rabinowitz. Bill, uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while since we had you on. How you doing? I'm good, Ken. Nice to be yeah. I appreciate you taking a few minutes. I mean, how shocked were you? I mean, I don't think I, I don't think there were any rumors about this coming, you know, this happening, and all of a sudden, bam, we're now we've got the two of the most prestigious Pac-12 teams heading to the Big Ten. Yeah, it was it
2: was shocking. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I was caught off guard. I got a text from my editor about it, and I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> and so I was coming off vacation and, and was working on something else, and I thought, you know, but it was real. I mean, it is amazing. It really is. I talked to some people who were involved in it, and I kind of said, "Hey, nice job and, and keeping <laughs> keeping everything under wraps," because I, you know, normally in those situations, somebody uh, in the national media. Uh, we Will get it and and run with it and and that did not happen. I mean, it was like and then it was clearly leaked because about five different outlets had it about the same time. So, uh, it's it's stunning news. It's it's another example of how the college landscape, the college sports landscape, has changed dramatically and will continue to change. I don't, I don't think anyone knows really where it's headed.
0: The big question I think a lot of people have is why? Why would UCLA and USC? LA, USC Leave uh now the the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. Well, the, the Pac-12 was
2: locked into a, a bad media rights deal, and UCLA in particular, USC is a private school, so their their finances are you know private. But us uh, UCLA had a major major budget deficit. They they had it you know, like you know around fifteen million about four or five years ago. It kept getting a little bit worse, and then when the pandemic happened. Looking at about 60 million and and, in debt, and so they they kind of needed a Hail Mary in a little bit of you know, in a way, it wasn't like they were going to go under, but if they wanted to kind of compete the way they want to compete, it's a, a very wide. Uh, wide-ranging sports program they have, athletic program, they needed some kind of influx of money, and, and Big Ten is certainly flush with money. So, from, look, this was driven by finances. I mean, there are other things that people are pointing to, the academic uh, side of things. The, both those schools are very good schools. Big Ten has, has good schools. Um, there are other kind of ancillary factors, but let's, let's not kid ourselves. This was driven mostly by money.
0: You mentioned the TV contract. Uh, obviously, yeah, Big Ten has a, a pretty good deal with the, the Big Ten Network. What, what, I mean, is that one? Of the, you know, does that really affect things? Because obviously, Big Ten is one of those you know premium channels. If you want it, fine. If you don't want it, you don't need it. But I mean, it's, it seems like a lot of people do enjoy the Big Ten Network as opposed to the uh, Pac-12 Network.
2: Well, it's not just the, the BTN. It's it's also just the rights deals that they that they have, and they're in the middle of negotiating one right now. We kind of thought we'd have it announced, and now we realize why they didn't, because they knew that they were going to add these schools, and and that's going to make the rights deal even you know better for the Big Ten. USC and UCLA give Ohio State or give the Big Ten. Um, you know, the LA market. That's the second biggest T V market in the country. They already have the New York market kind of. I mean Rutgers is New Jersey. You know, how many New York sports fans care about Rutgers sports? You know, I don't know, but at least it gives them a foothold in that area. And and obviously Chicago's is Northwestern's right there, and the Big Ten offices are in Chicago. Chicago's kind of always been the unofficial, in some ways, official headquarters of the Big Ten. So you have the, the top three media markets that the Big Ten now is a foothold in. And so that's going to be a very lucrative deal. And and all these other conferences, other than the SEC, uh, could see that, okay, the Big Ten's going to get richer. You know, I mean, the Pac-12's got this media rights deal. It's not very good. The ACC's locked into theirs for another about 14 years. Um, you know, the Big 12 has gone through all kinds of changes and lose, they lost their, their flagship programs in Texas and Oklahoma. And you're looking at basically two super conferences and then everyone else scrambling and USC and UCLA decided, you know what? We're big enough and, and have enough uh, clout. That let's, let's join the big 10.
0: What uh, network do you think win out of this? I mean, Fox has had the big 10 for a while now. I mean, ESPNs have had some games, but you know, Fox obviously gets the bigger games. I mean, I mean, did they, in a way, I mean, I've read some reports where maybe Fox has, maybe has driven us along with the ESPN driving the SEC the way it has, I mean, with their contract. Does, does I mean, do you think those networks have really played a role in the reshaping college football?
2: I mean, yeah, they definitely play a role. The I mean, i talked to some people about that, and, and what I've been told is they certainly were involved, they certainly have influence, but it wasn't driven by them. I, I think that that may be understating it. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not in the negotiations. I can't say for sure, but money drives a lot of this and TV drives a lot of that. A lot of most of the money comes from TV. So it will stand to reason that if you're a TV network, you want to know exactly what you're getting and you want to know what the value is of, of these contracts as you're negotiating them. And, and having USC and UCLA certainly adds value to the conference.
0: What well, does this affect the league right now? I mean, as we get to twenty twenty four, the first the division setups, how the schedule is going to look. I mean, I mean how I mean, we're not going to see nine a.m. games being played out at UC, in, in L.A. with U.C.L.A. and U.S.C. Are we? i would
2: be shocked. I mean, that's that's not really anybody's interest. If they won a noon game, they'll have it. Obviously, I'm up with the East Coast teams, you know, Eastern Time Zone teams. So, uh, you know, this could give them a fourth window. They could play one of those, you know what do they call it Pac 12 at midnight or whatever Pac-12 after dark after
0: dark yeah at night yeah so
2: you know that gives them another window no i don't i don't think it's going to, you not know, can see 9 a.m. games on the, on the west coast in terms of divisions and number of of conference games that's all to be determined i just asked that question nobody's kind of gotten to that point yet uh, you know one obvious issue especially for the california teams is going to be travel Half of their conference games are now going to be flying at least halfway across the country, and so they've got to find a way to be creative with that. I don't know what that'll look like. You know, they'll 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 just do what they can do to minimize that. But it's that's going to be a real issue,
0: especially with the quote unquote non-revenue sports. I mean, that's going to you know probably eat a lot out of a lot of the budget. I would believe.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, and I'm sure that'll be factored into whatever, however, the contract TV money is kind of divvied up. I'm sure that they'll still, again, they're going to have enough money that they can solve that that question. Um, yeah, you know, this is this is one of these things that I think everyone's still kind of trying to wrap their arms around in terms of what the effects are going to be, and, and all get kind of you know, different ways that you don't really think of, kind of the unintended consequences of things. And and obviously one thing is going to be, we all know that conference expansion and, and that is going to be, we started another cycle of that. It was really kicked off when Oklahoma and Texas left last year. That made the SEC so powerful that the other, that the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 kind of formed this alliance, which if you watch the press conference over again which i did last week it's it's pretty comical because they're talking about we don't need any contracts we trust each other we're we're, you know we're throwing men here and i used that in my story and i was like laughing as i was typing it in like oh you fools you know the 4 pac-12 commissioner got taken his lunch money got taken
0: yeah i mean well, is the Big Ten done adding teams? I mean, do, do other Pac-12 teams look at this and say, can we come aboard? Well, I think the Big Ten got the two schools they
2: definitely want. How it'll shake out from there, I don't know. There's no, it's no secret that they would love to get Notre Dame, whether that's going to happen. I mean, Notre Dame makes its own decisions, and we, we have no idea what they're going to do. Uh the, the next logical teams for the Big Ten, if they were going to add, and it's certainly no sure thing that they will, in fact, I probably think they won't, at least right away, would be Washington and Oregon. Washington has Seattle has generally been a pretty good athletic program. Uh, you know, Oregon, with Phil Knight's money, better national power, yeah, they, they're they kind of a second-tier national power, but they're a good program. And those are the most logical ones. And then if you want to think about, okay, for academics, Stanford and Cal would make sense. Uh, And Stanford is the biggest athletic program along with Ohio State in the country. Cal is obviously a great school. um, But I have not heard anything about Stanford and Cal. I don't know what they're going to do. I've heard a little bit about Oregon and Washington. But I I think that the Big Ten, for right now at least, is happy with just adding the L.A. schools.
0: You mentioned Notre Dame, but obviously they're in the ACC for other sports and in hockey, they are in the big 10. I mean, could you know, the big 10 say, look, you're here for hockey. Why don't you come bring the rest of your sports here?
2: I'm sure that they've made that pitch many times already. And I'm sure the ACC has kind of made that pitch to Notre Dame, you know, regarding football. Um, Notre Dame prizes and prides itself on its independence. That's that's been something that they've they've resisted Big Ten overtures for a long time. They only agreed to this ACC thing as kind of, you know, a step in that direction, not all the way. So Notre Dame's its own entity. When it comes to college sports, they're kind of, you know, there's nobody like them.
0: But there's got to be a point where if you were seeing all these realignments in, in college sports, that there may not be room for teams to play Notre Dame. So maybe Notre Dame's got to really maybe suck it up and say, look, we, we may have to join a conference eventually. You're right. That
2: may happen. But I I think a lot of people have lost a lot of money trying to bet that Notre Dame uh,
0: will, will join a conference uh, over the last 50 years or so. Of course, there's a matter of NBC having the home TV rights for Notre Dame games. Right. But, I mean, that's another right. factor in that as right. well. Uh, but just, they have their own uh, contract. I mean, as a selfless question, as I cover college hockey, what are the chances that UCLA and USC join the Big Ten in hockey? Is that, is that a possibility?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> it's like, not a question that I've asked
0: or have Oh come have on, heard. Bill, you're a hockey guy too. Come on, I know you.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think UCLA uh, is trying to get out from under their budget deficit, the idea of adding a hockey program. Obviously, you know, L.A. has the Kings, so it's not like they don't know what hockey yeah. is. But when you think of California schools, you don't think of hockey. I mean, there is no Pac-12 conference. What's the, the farthest uh, west program in college hockey? What, probably Denver?
0: Arizona I think. State. Arizona State. Uh, okay,
2: okay. Well, I'll put it this way. If they wanted to join the Big Ten Conference in hockey, they'd be happy to tend be happy to have them do that. I don't know if that's something that either of those schools is interested in right now, but I but again, I don't know.
0: What does the future look like for conferences? Are we going to see just two or three at this point, maybe somewhere down the rest of later this decade? Right now, you clearly
2: have two super conferences. You have the SEC and you have the Big 10, you know, and they're and they're strong in kind of different ways. The SEC is dominant in football. But, you know, you look at a lot of the other sports, generally very good in basketball, very good in baseball, but they, for the most part, don't have the wide-ranging sports. They don't have the 30 varsity sports that some of the Big Ten teams do. Ohio State's got 36 varsity sports. You look at most of the S C C schools, they're around 15 or so, or 20, because they don't play the Olympic sports. They don't compete in those um, so you're, in some ways you're talking about quantity versus quality. Oh, that's a, a very gross um, oversimplification. Um, so, but those are clearly the two kind of conferences that that are kings. The ACC is you know kind of in the middle because they look you have Clemson, you have Florida State, you have Miami, and at least football you know you got some good teams. But their their TV contract's not great. You know they're probably. They're locked in, though. They've got that contract or that agreement that's fairly ironclad from what I know. And, again, I'm not – I cover I State football. I'm not going to pretend to know all the ins and outs of the ACC's contract situation. But from what I understand, they're, they've kind of committed to each other for the next 14 years till 2036. The Big 12, obviously, the Pac-12, obviously, is in a lot of flux. We'll see if there's some kind of merger between them. And that's been reported today that that's the least talking as they have to. I mean, if you're the Pac-12, you've lost, you've lost your Ohio State and Michigan. And and so you lost your media market, your main media market. So you're hurting, and you got to figure out what's plan B. And and I'm not sure what that is. You know, I, I, my guess is there's going to be some kind of merger with the, the Big 12, even if it's in an unofficial way. But I think – it's anyone's guess as to how this, how all the dominoes eventually
0: fall. I'll wrap this up with a hockey question because you have covered a few Columbus Blue Jackets games in your time there in Columbus, and you dealt with John Tortorella. And now he's the coach of my hockey team, the Philadelphia Flyers. What can the Flyers fans expect from him? I've, I've seen some stories about him, you know, really a, his love of animals.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, you no, know, he has this reputation. And again, I've just done the Blue Jackets on a limited basis. I'm not not like I was around it every day, but I was around him enough to get a sense of who he is. And the the image he has really doesn't fit who he is in full. I mean, he is he is unfiltered. He will kind of kind of lose it at times, but I think he's the kind of guy. You know, he might lose it. And then the next day, it's like nothing ever happened. Just, it's just like this little storm cloud that blows over. Um, in terms of the animal thing, that's that's real. I mean, we, we lost our dog. We had a golden doodle, Lucy, who we just loved. We just loved her. And she had this illness, and she died within like four days. And not long after that, I was doing an interview with Twitterella. He noticed her picture on my phone. And so I told him, and he said, they're designed to break your heart. And it just it gave me more comfort than I really kind of expected, but that's true. I mean, that's what dogs are supposed to do. Yeah. You know, if they do their job, you love them so much that it's heartbreaking when they leave, when they're when they're gone. And so we now have another golden doodle we love <laughs> very much. And so I'm over I'm over Lucy, but you know that at the time. It, he, I don't know, it's just something that, he, that really resonated with me. But yeah, he, he loves dogs, I think he's got horses on his arm. You um, know, he, He's an interesting guy. I mean, it's the kind of deal, I know Philly, I know Philly fans. It could either be like the greatest marriage in the world, or the ugliest divorce in the world, <laughs> and I don't know which it's going to be. But I, I could certainly see the potential that, that Flyers fans just love it. Because he's, he's blunt. He'll say what's on his mind. He's not going to sugarcoat things. I think that's going to appeal to Flyer fans. Uh, on the other hand, you know, he can be a little combustible. And, and so <laughs> we'll see where it goes. And I don't know that the Flyers are going to turn around right away. How does he deal with, with that? Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting. And that's what you want, right? You don't want boring.
0: One interesting. Yes, I mean, we've had some interesting uh, coaches and managers over the years. I mean, Dallas Green with the Phillies, Buddy Ryan with the Eagles. So, yeah, Torch, sure. fits, Torch fits in just uh, just right there with the flyer. So it'll be a, be interesting to see what happens. Bill, where can people find you on social media? I'm um, on
2: Twitter at BR Dispatch. Um, that's the main one. I'm on Instagram, but I'm not sure I even know him. He's <laughs> on Instagram. So, Twitter, Twitter's the best place to find me.
0: Well, Bill, I appreciate a few minutes talking about this. I mean, like I said, I was I was actually down in Philly visiting my mom when I saw the news, and I was like, "Oh my God!" I mean, no, I came out of nowhere, and I knew the man to talk to about this, and you were the man, and I appreciate a few minutes. Well, thanks again. Always nice catching up again. And give my best to your wife, Erin. Uh, she she's a doll. She'll always enjoyed you too, and we work together as a daily, record. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks so much. That's Bill Rabinowitz. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners daily gazette's auto racing contest in just a moment you're listening to the parting shots podcast what's your favorite high school sports memory a late inning rally a game-winning shot a photo finish maybe it's a pep rally or a pre-game ritual maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game now imagine if it never happened at all school sports need your help with budgets getting tighter it's more than the games that are on the line it's all the traditions the community pride the culture of your hometown high school plus all those memories that are on the line too what can you do It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories
2: alive. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
0: Hi, this is Pete Incavillia, manager of the Tri City Valley Cats and former major leaguer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette, associate sports editor, and upstate New York's biggest Philadelphia Phillies fan, Ken Shot. Back to wrap up the podcast. The week 17 winner in the Daily Gazette's auto racing contest was Jameson Hayes of Mayfield. Jameson wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Jameson. The VIP winners were Jessica Woodruff of Dave's Gourmet Burgers, Jerry Peel of Frank & Sons, and Nick Platell of Grand Premier Tires. The Week 18 winner was Greg English of Amsterdam. Greg won a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Greg. The VIP winner was Dwayne Leach of All Seasons Equipment. I'll announce the winner of the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest, and that winner's name will appear in friday's daily gazette keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic i want to thank all the doctors nurses and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic we appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time if you have not gotten vaccinated please do so do it for yourself do it for your family and do it for your friends That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Liana Bonavita and Bill Rabinowitz for coming on the show. On next week's podcast, we'll preview the start of the Saratoga horse racing season with Gazette horse racing writer Mike McAdam. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot. That's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots.